Um, I'm talking this morning about, well, actually, about, I can't say really, about called. The title I was given is called. One word, called. Sounds like a new TV series, doesn't it? Called. Um, and um, what does that mean? Well, that sort of depends, doesn't it? We have all sorts of calls. Um, we are starting today a series in Mark's Gospel. And although we jumped straight to verse 16 in terms of the reading, um, I do encourage you to read the whole thing and start at verse 1 of chapter 1. Why don't you? It's a very short gospel, but the shortest. And um, it's so short, in fact, that it has been turned into a one-man show. Has anybody ever seen Mark's gospel? In the 90s, my wife and I, Ruth, down here, we went to see uh, Alec McCowan deliver that at the Half Moon Theatre in Whitechapel. No? It's interesting, actually, you think about that. What kind of a gospel could somebody just basically stand up and read in a theatrical way? Um, And you might gather something from the fact that somebody could deliver that, that it's a relatively short gospel. It is, indeed, it's the shortest of uh, the four gospels. Um, And uh, it's a little bit punchy as well. In in other words, it's something that can simply, literally, this guy, Alec McCown, just stood up and kind of read it in a much better way than I could, or possibly most of us could. And uh, I think one of the things I'd like to encourage you to do, this we're probably going to be studying Mark for a number of months on Sunday mornings, why not read it? You can, obviously, read it in around about an hour and a half, I would, straight through. You could read it every day, if you put your mind to it. You could certainly read it every week. Why not? We're going to be studying for a long time, nice and short. Why not try and find a little thing that's just a Mark's gospel? You can, you can get little paperback things, keep in your bag, put in your pocket, carry it around. You can get them about that sort of size, that thin. Why not? Why not? It's interesting. I, I encourage you to do that because Alec McCowan, the, the, the actor I'm talking about, he wrote this about his experience of, of this. He said, not really calling himself a Christian, not knowing quite what to call himself, but he nevertheless said this, whether or not you are a believer, it is impossible to study St. Mark carefully and not know without any shadow of a doubt that something amazing happened in Galilee 2,000 years ago. Now, you might say that's a little bit obvious. What exactly was amazing about it? That's the key thing. But why not? Sometimes I think we're used to perhaps studying like we are this morning, in a way, four verses at a time. Read it. Read it again. Read it again. Try and soak yourself in that gospel. Just see how it feels. You'll find out more every time you read it, I'm sure. As I say, it's, 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 it's a short and easy-to-read gospel. Alec McCown, again, this actor, said... The writing is spare and blunt, but it moves with a wonderful speed from event to event. You know, that sounds like quite a recommendation for a read, doesn't it? That's on the back of Mark's Gospel. You know, that kind of thing. Scorcher. Um, You know, wonderful speed from event to event. Why don't you read it? Now, I don't want to spend too much longer talking about Mark generally, but I'll give you this little bit of introduction um, on the basis of my uh, researches recently. The consensus of scholarly opinion is as follows about Mark's Gospel. Firstly, that it was almost certainly written by a chap called John Mark that we read of in Acts. You can look him up. Uh, Almost certainly written in Rome, if not Rome, then Italy. Uh, That it was based on the personal account of St. Peter, of whom we read in this particular passage. Um, That account uh, given direct to the author. It's therefore probably the nearest thing we have to an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. That's a good reason for reading it as well, isn't it? 
Uh, it was the first written of all the Gospels, probably around about AD 70, um, a little after Peter's death, we think, around about that sort of time. And its primary purpose, I read, and you might find if you read the whole thing, was to communicate the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to Gentiles, to non-Jews, people like us, which is nice. Um, so that's it's for you. It's nice and short, easily readable, and it's written especially for people like us. That's a good thing. Why don't we read it? Now, calls. I was thinking a lot about being called over the last little period, and uh, it, it did occur to me that calls can sometimes be the bane of our life, can't they? You know, there are perhaps three types of call we might get, as it might be calls we long to get, we're very keen to get, calls like that. When we're younger, perhaps, see boyfriend or girlfriend walking up the garden path, knocking on the door, the, uh, the postman at around about Christmas time. Calls like that, that we're, we're looking forward to, very positive about. There are calls we don't want to get. We're probably very familiar with those kind of cold calling that I always seem to get on the phone around about past seven of an evening from people I've never heard of trying to tell me st- sell me stuff I don't want. Sometimes we get those at the door on the 31st of October. There may be loads of us lying low, trying not to uh, answer the call at our door for fear of what might happen if we're met by some people with pumpkin masks on their heads or whatever. There are calls we don't want sometimes, calls we do, calls we don't. And then, of course, there are calls we don't know if we want. Someone knocks at the door of an evening. I don't know. It's quite interesting these days, isn't it, the society we live in. Someone knocks on the door of an evening and you think, I'm not expecting anybody. So is this a good thing? Is it not a good thing? Could it be a bit random? What's the time? Could it be somebody trying to sell me something? All those sorts of things. Kind of interesting. You can have those kinds of calls. And how we respond to them. A call that I might want might be a call that you would hate and, and, and vice versa. But calls are a big part of our life. And I think we often think of the word call as well in terms of what we do, especially what our profession might be, professionally what we do for, uh, what we do for work. But I think we can narrow that down too much. But that's often um, how we think about being called. And the thing about that is it's, 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 there's a little sort of unfair sort of hierarchy, I think, of professions when it comes to calling, isn't there? People, some people have a calling, don't they? Some people have a calling. Um, but that's normally, in terms of profession, people who do something as a result of some very strong conviction. That way they have a calling, don't they? So vicars might have a calling. Um, uh, people like charity workers, aid workers in foreign countries, anybody who's doing something that is plainly nuts so to speak. They must have a calling, mustn't they? Because otherwise, why would they be doing it? They ain't doing it for the money. So they have a calling, perhaps. And maybe um, politicians, we might say they have a calling. We might say many other things about them, frankly, but that's, that's, that's something we might think of. So people like that, people who are doing something from strong conviction and obvious conviction, we might say they have a calling. Sort of below that, there might be the sense that people have a vocation, slightly, not quite, a vocation. And we might apply vocation to something that's readily identifiable with a known profession, as it might be the teaching, or it might be medicine, or it might be law, it might be engineering, a sort of vocation, something you can identify as a kind of job. And we, we, we do, don't we, often talk about vocations or use that phrase in the sense of, oh, I'm in the wrong vocation. I'm looking at somebody right now who often thinks that question, what am I doing what I'm doing? You know, am I in the wrong vocation? 
and it's just a phrase we use for meaning, well, I wonder if I heard wrongly or I've taken the wrong career path or something like that. Or it might just be a little joke, really, meaning we're having a bad week. And then kind of below a calling, below vocation, we get into a job. It's just a job, isn't it? And that could seem very unfair. And I, Tim, who just read the, the message, is very particularly keen on this point, and I, I share it with him, which is everything is a call. Whatever you do, it could be your job or a thing you're doing at church or a thing you're doing at home. Everything is a calling if you've been called to do it by Jesus. And we don't often dignify, we sometimes don't dare to dignify the things we do with that sense of calling. Well, I think we should. Because personally, it's harsh because I, I could now think about almost a load of things I do that I haven't seen in this light. I really want to be doing stuff that I feel Jesus is asking me to do in my life. That's how I roll. So am I doing a few things by accident? Am I doing things just because I can, just because somebody asked me? I'd like to think that everything I do is a calling. Now, what I do professionally, uh, I could reasonably describe and truthfully describe in a number of different ways. Perhaps you could as well, uh, depending on how I feel or what I fear your response might be. If you ask me what I did, I might say I'm a traffic engineer, but then I get blamed for everything. I might say I'm an urban designer, but then your eyes will glaze over. What the heck's that? I might say I run a company. I might say I go in and do some work with some guys and I love it. I, whatever it, I describe it, I really feel that the thing I do most working days, I'm called to. I'm called to by Jesus. Now, I'm not quite sure why I think that's hard to put into terms, and perhaps all of us would likewise struggle to really put into words why we think that. Is a call. Maybe we never even thought of it like that. I'll come on to perhaps a little bit of why I think uh, that's a calling on me at the moment. But I believe it's a calling from Jesus. But I believe that specifically because I believe there's a call on my whole life by Jesus. That Jesus once said to me in the same way as he said to the disciples that we've just read now, come, follow me. That's a big call. That's a call to a change of life. That's a call to a lifestyle. Okay, but it then will, what will that then mean in terms of what you then do the next day or the kind of thing you might do? So there's a general call and a specific call. And I believe that the specific call, so to speak, at least in the context of what I do nine to five-ish, although it's frankly never nine to five, is as a result of the bigger call of my life that I've chosen to follow Jesus in response to his invitation. We'll come on with that in a moment. I suppose what do we do, though, if we never really thought about this idea of calling in that context before? Perhaps we've never thought about it on our lives as a whole, and we've never thought about the work that we do, or the people we meet, or the roles that we have at home, in society, in church, not just in the workplace, by any means. It could apply almost anywhere. And I suppose that comes back to the question, but how do we hear a call? I mean, I didn't hear a call, did I? I just got a job at it. I didn't hear a call. Someone just said, would you? I didn't hear a call. I just thought, there's a need. I'll meet it. But I think that we'll have a much clearer sense of, and perhaps a much, clearer, uh, a much clearer sense, a much stronger conviction, a much, find it much more easy to invest ourselves in things that we know we've been called to. But how do you hear calls? You know, obviously there's a ring on the phone, there's a ring on the bell, for these guys in the gospel that we read, it's really easy, isn't it? Jesus was right there and he said something right to them. How do we hear Jesus? When I think about that in the context of my work, I think, well, 
I don't know, I was trained that way, I work that way, I roll that way. It seemed as I've sort of fallen into the, the work that I've done, that I enjoy it, that I'm inspired by it, that I'm able to inspire within it. It just fits. I read a little bit, and you know, not so probably something in Scripture. There's nothing in the Scriptures at all that says, John, you become a traffic engineer. It doesn't do that. I should say, actually, on my wedding certificate, under profession, it says traffic engineer. When you consider that nobody checks that, that I could have written anything I like, anything I like, I could have asked a physicist, that's going to be really impressive, right? Nobody checks it, and I wrote traffic engineer. You know, obviously I felt comfortable with that, and I think that's part of how I feel about my work. But do you feel comfortable with what you do? Again, not at work, necessarily, at home, in the, in the community. Do you, do you feel comfortable? Do you have any sense that's a call on that? What I'd like to do, and I'm, I'm sorry I do talk, but let's just take a minute. Can we just take a minute now? I'm going to take another minute later and another minute after that as well. I'd just like you to take a minute to think about things that you do and try and see where you think Jesus' call is on your life in the context of that. Do you have that? Do you have that sense of that? Would you like to have it? Do you want to check that you didn't just fall into something? Just give yourself a minute to think about that now. I suppose the thing is that, perhaps a little bit like me, we're not that familiar with doing that. What do I do? Why do I do it? I would love to know about the things, if I thought about there are a few things, things that I do. I would like to check that this is something that Jesus thinks is a really good thing for me to do with my time and my life. What's the call of the age? The call of the age is we're far too busy, isn't it? Everything's crammed in. Well, maybe... Maybe we just ought to check that some of the things we're doing are things that Jesus really wants us to do. You could easily take all sorts of analogies about machinery and that kind of thing, which is you're spinning around perfectly, but actually you're in the wrong part of the thing altogether. Your cogs aren't meshing with the things around you. It's worth checking, isn't it? Worth checking. Now, if that's sort of a bit about calls generally, what we're doing, do we feel a call in our lives? And perhaps you think I'm overcooking it, that I don't need to feel the call from Jesus to get out of bed on that side of the morning. I don't need a call from Jesus to work out which shoe I put on first. Where does that then come between what certain decisions I make and other decisions I make? Uh, we need to work that out. I suppose all I'm saying is that if we give ourselves more time, time like we just had a minute of there, and we'll have, say, a couple of minutes and time perhaps when you get home to think about what we do in the context of Jesus' call. Over time, I think that would be good for us. Now, I mentioned earlier things, types of call, the, the, the wanted call, the unwanted call, the not sure, sure call, but there are, there's another way of thinking about calls as well, and there are calls that are expected and calls that are unexpected, calls that we're waiting for, calls that just come out of the blue. Now, if we return to our gospel story, it's a very short one, uh, Jesus is walking on the shoreline and says, see some guys. 
It seems, as Mark writes it, like it came almost out of the blue. There was Jesus, there were some guys, hey, come follow me, and they came. Right out of the blue. Very similar in Matthew's Gospel. And I think it's understood, I can't remember which round, but I think Mark, as I've described there, is, is understood to be kind of a starting point for some of the other Gospels and other Gospel writers thought, all right, we ought to you know, see our angle on that same story. So there are a lot of similarities. So Mark, it seems like Jesus had just walked along with these guys he'd never met before, pop. Matthew, likewise. Luke, however, there's a little bit more. If you read the account in Luke, it's fleshed out a little bit more, and the encounter with the disciples, with the guys, actually follows what's often referred to as the miraculous catch of fish. You know, they've been out there fishing, and nothing's been happening. Jesus says, go on, keep going, and whoa, all the fish. So there's a bit more context there, at least. Um, John tells the story really quite differently altogether. But however we read it, I think it's perfectly reasonable to, to, to think that actually Peter and Andrew and James and John had some knowledge of Jesus beforehand. If you read the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus had, just not long prior to this, he'd been baptized, he'd gone into the wilderness and then started his preaching ministry. He'd been doing stuff. Um, there's not too much about that in Matthew and Mark, but in Luke, again, there's a little bit more flesh that, that just before this is a story of Jesus casting out demons and healing people and stuff like that. So, pretty small world. They talk then just like they talk now in the, around the area of Galilee. I'm sure these guys would have known of Jesus in some respect, he, this wandering preacher, this wandering miracle worker. They may have seen him. They may have had a personal encounter, but... There's no obvious way, but they, in other words, not entirely out of the blue that this chap, Jesus, should walk along the shore. Not entirely unexpected, not invited, but not unexpected. So the caller, if you like, in this story, is not a completely random person, not a shock by any means. But what about the call? That's quite different, isn't it? Let's face it, it's utterly unprecedented. If you look in the Bibles, you'll always see just before this little passage, it says the calling of the first disciples. Okay, what do we work out from that? This is the first time any disciples had ever been called. So this is the first time Jesus had ever done this to anybody. So the call itself was completely out of the blue, not expected. And if we look again, I love the simplicity of it, as, as, as we were talking earlier about the blunt and quick language. If you look at the nature of this call, it's really very simple. It boils down to three words, really, which is, come, follow me. I was talking with my wife Ruth the other day about this, and she'd said she'd been hearing something. This is the call of Jesus, essentially. The call of Jesus, in whatever way we think, whether it's a lifestyle thing or a particular thing, is essentially summed up in this word, come. Come, follow me was what Jesus said to them here. At which point, of course, a wiser man than I could have easily got a talk together which um, broke that down. Beautiful three-point Anglican sermon. Come, what does that mean? What about follow? What does that mean? What about me? What about the personality of Jesus? Um, I'm not going to do that. You'd be glad to know. Um, partly because, as I said, I want us to, to, to try and listen a little bit more to Jesus, really, than to me this morning. If we've time for that, so I don't want a, a fancy, as it were, not fancy. That's the wrong word. A, a well-constructed talk like that. I'm just trying to appeal, really. I think that Jesus, the thing is, is saying, "Come to us all the time, in lots of different ways." He might be saying it. He might say it to you ten times a day for one thing, about an encounter with a person, about how you react to a situation at work, about how to deal with the children when they are, and you're about to do, or about 
whether or not you should put some time aside to meet with somebody, read something, do something. I think it's quite possible that Jesus, if we asked and just listened, yeah, that's a good thing to do. Maybe not ten times a day, I don't know. Maybe once a month. But I think quite often Jesus is trying to say to us, come. Now, are we good at listening to him? Because if he is, what a thing to miss, eh? What a thing to miss if Jesus is saying, come. Whatever it might be, it could be quite a small thing, but if Jesus is saying it, dignifies it, gives it a real purpose and, and, and power, I think. So maybe he's calling out to you today. Maybe you're called today to do something. Might be a small thing, but might be something that's really worth trying to focus on. Perhaps even today, it is working, I just thought I would, right here. Jesus is saying to you exactly the same words with exactly the same meaning as he uttered to those four guys on a Galilean shoreline 2,000 years ago. All he's saying to you is, come and follow me. He's saying, give your life to me. Could he be saying that to you today? Could he be saying that to you today? You, you wouldn't say you had given your life to him. Could he be saying that to you today? If you're here at all, you must be vaguely interested in the answer to that question. Otherwise, I don't think you'd be here. Maybe he's saying that to you today with the same meaning. Will you give it up for me? Maybe. Perhaps he's asking you just to come in a slightly different direction, the kind of thing we might do with a friend or a child or out for a walk. Come, no, this way, this way, come this way. Not a huge thing, perhaps, just a, just a little arm round, a little this way now, You've, that's just this way. Is that something we might, that could be something to do with an attitude, could be something, could be something bigger than that, could be something about work, I don't know. Could he, Jesus, be saying to you just something quite remarkable today, which is, like, come, let me show you a completely new thing. Come, look over here. Look over here. Much bigger move. Something new for you. Could he be doing that? Or could he be saying, come back. Come back. He could be saying anything like that to you today. Maybe if we would listen for him, we'd hear that. So why don't we? Let me just give you another minute. I know it could be quite awkward. Let's just hear if Jesus is calling for you today. Try and do that. As I said, I don't know what that means to you. But I do think that if we give it a bit of silence, a bit of time, a bit of thought about something we, we might want to do later when we get home, a bit more time, read something, think, talk to a friend. Let's just give Jesus a little bit of time now to call us, even right now.
That was good timing, wasn't it? Have a bit of silence while the children come back in. Um, but anyway, welcome back. There are some others coming soon, and I'm nearly done. It's worth trying to find out what Jesus might be saying to us, isn't it? That sense of call. Are we doing something? Do we need to do something different? And I suppose the thing is that we can listen to the call, but then what do we do? Then what do we do? It's hard enough to listen, but I think we need to. But then what do we do with it? I suppose the thing is you might think, I don't know, Jesus calling? Does he really call everyone anyway? Does he call me now? Aren't you overdoing it a little bit? Does he call me for that? Is it, can't we just say it's what I do? Well, we could. But I'm really sure, I believe, that Jesus calls us all to follow him, at least. And if he calls us to follow him, then he calls us to do some other things as well, I think. And be worth doing that. If you remember, with the, this, again, the story we just heard, what did Jesus say? Come and follow me. Did he leave it as that? It's great, because actually we see it there. He said, no, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. I've got something for you to do. It's not just follow me. It's now do something. And I think we'll find that all the time, actually, that Jesus has stuff for us to do. Perhaps not that big thing, but I think, I think we'll all have that call. St. Paul wrote to Timothy that, that, that all, something we can get a little bit concerned. Does he really call everybody? Does he? Uh, St. Paul wrote to Timothy that Jesus wants, that God wants all people to come to him. I think if that's true, then it will also follow that we don't just follow, but then we do. And in any case, this question of does Jesus call everybody is a little bit of a theoretical one. Because actually the key issue is, is he calling you? Is he calling me? What does Jesus want from me? What is he saying to me? So we can, if we wish, consider these bigger questions. And I don't say we shouldn't. But the key question that we do need to be asking for ourselves is, is Jesus calling me? Now, if he is, or we think he might be, then we need to listen, don't we? As we've been doing a little bit. And we don't just need to listen so that we can get an answer, which we hope we will, as we're listening. Again, exactly how we listen, we'll each have our own ways. But we need to make sure that we're giving that an opportunity. So it's not just about the call, it's not just about the answer, it's about our response to that. I was just thinking, just imagine if um, the, the gospel story went like this, Jesus walking along the shore, come follow me, and Peter said, no, thank you. No, thank you. A little bit busy, other things to do, and, you know, frankly, don't come back. Exactly the kind of thing we might say to a cold caller, will you please never call me again? Could have happened, but didn't. A little further on in the Gospels, in Mark 10, we read about the famous story about the young ruler, don't we? Who came to Jesus and said, yeah, 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 I've heard about you, I've got stuff, I want to do this, and, and so what, now what do I need to do to really nail it between you and me? And Jesus said, well, here it is, give away your money. That was the call that Jesus had on that young man. And, well, at least at the time, I always like to think he might have thought about it when he did, but at the time he turned away, he wasn't prepared to respond to the call of Jesus. Now, here we see how difficult it can sometimes be for us. We might think, oh, it's easy for the disciples on the shoreline. Jesus clearly said something to them, it was easy for them to do it. Now, Jesus just as clearly said this thing to that young man, but he found that difficult to do. He did say, Mm-mm. will we do that? 
And then there's the classic case, of course. Whatever you make of the story, the classic case is it's at least an excellent allegory of Jonah, isn't it? Someone who had a very clear, knew absolutely what God was calling him to do and very definitely didn't want to do it and ran in the other direction. We'd be wise not just to listen for the call, not just to find out what call Jesus might have on us, but also to respond positively. As I said, we can easily say that the, well, it was all right for the disciples. It was all right for all those guys in those days. They had Jesus. They heard that call. How do we hear that call? I don't know. It'll be different for each other, as I've said. But I think it's so important that we should make time to do it. Why don't we do that now? Will you stand with me?